Well, I'm certainly grateful for this magnificent washout, a turnout, and uh, now I'd like to say a few words. Hello? I must be going. I cannot stay. I came to say I must be going. I'm glad I came, but just the same, I must be going. La la. For my sake, you must stay. If you should go away, you'd spoil this party. I am through I'll stay a week or two. I'll stay the summer through. But I am telling you, I must be. Greetings, listeners. Welcome to the Revelation Station podcast, the podcast where I, Simon, force my friend Gary to listen to albums he really hates. Hello, Gary. Hello, and boy, do I feel forced. I have to say, <laughs> hello, Simon. Uh, How have you been? I've been very well. I'm uh, looking forward to going back to work in a week or so. So Good. I've been using this week to put my affairs in order. <laughs> You know, sign all my important documents for returning to work. Will, stuff yeah. like that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Funeral yeah. arrangements. You, you know the score. You know the score. I know the score. <laughs> As you know, I have not been on furlough like you. I have just been working for a living. Yeah. So I have nothing to get used to. Yes. It sounds great, doesn't it, being at home and being paid not to go to work? Sounds awesome, actually. It gets so boring after the third month. You run out of PlayStation games again. It's not that. It's just like... They can't be bothered. It's like <laughs> I take the girls to school and I get home and I'm like, shall I play on my Switch? And I can't be bothered. What shall I do instead? I just sit here and sigh for a little bit. Uh, that'll take up half an hour. And I go outside and sigh for a bit. <laughs> yeah, as somebody who's been grafting hard for the last year and barely had a day off, my heart really bleeds for you. It really does. Yeah, it's fine. I'd much rather have been at work earning my usual wages than not being at work. Yeah. How much weight have you put on while you've been sitting around just oh. being maudlin? Well, as Weird Al says, when I sit around the house, I really sit around the house. Yeah, I, but I too have to lose some weight. But first I have to get off my fat ass and actually do something about losing weight. You know, like not eating massive amounts of food, drinking large amounts of beer, and generally being lazy and unhelpful. Mm. Yeah, that's... Yeah. Pretty much same. same. <laughs> Sadly, I can't see a change in those affairs anytime soon. No. Uh, speaking of beer, what beer are you drinking this week? We've not done a beer check for a while, have we? We haven't, have we? I am drinking Black Sheep's Ale. Oh, very nice. It's very, it is actually very nice. I bought a pack of, of Black Sheep's beers last yes. weekend. Um, it's surprising I have one left. <laughs> I mean, it was only a pack of six, but really, I mean, wow. I was normally expecting that to go in the day because lockdown has not been good on my beer consumption. Shall we just leave it at that? <laughs> I'm not proud of the fact, but I am quite happy about the fact. Yeah, well, that's all right then. As long as, you, as long as you're happy with yourself, that's fine. But I've taken a, a leaf out of Fisher's book and I'm drinking alcohol-free Erdinger. Hooray! You sicken me. You really <laughs> sicken me. As Fish says on his popular Fish on Friday Facebook posts, it's Erdinger time. Alcohol-free. I mean... Really, Simon? It's very nice. It doesn't matter. I know it's a nice beer. I've had it. By mistake, I have to point out, but I had it, and it was quite nice. But still, really. It says on here it's a refreshing isotonic drink. So that means it's healthy. It's good for you. Mmm, yummy. Got, it's got vitamin B9 and B12, which is important for me as I'm a vegetarian. I don't get enough B vitamins from food. So there you That's go. not a drink. It's a scrabble answer. It's a health drink. And I'm going to pour the rest of it into my glass now. I'm going to pour the rest of this beer into me. 
So, Simon, why have you called me here today? Against my will. I have called you here today because there has been a murder. There hasn't been a murder. Why have you called me here today? (laughs) Because we are a review podcast. And in our ongoing quest to review all of the Genesis solo albums, all of the Genesis solo albums, we've reached 1982 and Phil Collins' second album, Hello, I must be going. I stand corrected. There has been a murder. (laughs) No spoilers, please. (laughs) No spoilers. No, 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 no. I'm not giving away my thoughts on this. I am giving away my thoughts on this. But, um, you know, hey, let's be open-minded about this. I'm not going to be open-minded about this. (laughs) Well, so, I take it you've listened to the album then. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, yes, 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 I have. Um, I've played it several times in the car, and uh, I've listened to it several times in my sleep, and when I'm dozing at work, and basically when I'm on the toilet or whatever, it just goes in the back of my head, and I can't get it out. I can't get it out. Satisfied? So, you like it, then? (laughs) (laughs) Shall we just say it stays with me? (laughs) <laughs> yes. No. Well, I will come to my thoughts on this album. I'm just, I'm just doing this for jokes and humour. I'm not doing it for jokes <laughs> and humour. Um, well. So you know, it's kind of like um, I'll be as open and optimistic and full of fun as I always am. Read into that what you like, <laughs> and take from that what you will. So, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> so let's get this over with then. <laughs> That's what I said when I started playing this album. <laughs> Let's get some facts, facts, facts. Factorama. Just the facts, ma'am. Okay, so fact number one. This is Phil's second studio album. It is his second solo album. Good fact. Yes. Carry on. Oh, right, okay. (laughs) It was released on 5th of November 1982 on Virgin Records in the UK and Atlantic in the US. Reached number two in the charts in the UK and number eight in the US. Despite having a good showing in in the charts, it did receive a mixed critical appraisal shall we say some people really mm-hmm. liked it and some people thought it didn't have the strength of his first album yes very true cool so it was named after a marx brothers song yes from the movie animal crackers that's right um and the album itself was recorded between may and september 1982 yes he started recording this just after they would toured with abacab didn't he that's right although he was writing the album uh, in late 1981 they toured abacab he went into writing, then they toured with Three Sides Live tour, and then after that tour, he recorded the album, released it at the end of 82. So it's a busy year. Yeah, but I think it's time for our elephant in the room moment, isn't it? But the elephant is in the room. Yeah, and of course, the elephant in the room is, which is quite obvious throughout this entire album, he's still struggling with his divorce. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's another... It's not really a divorce album, is it? I mean, we'll come on to the actual songs in a minute. Oh, no, no, no. The songs the songs are different, but it's quite clear that he's still going through some emotional turmoil with the theme of these songs. Yes. There's a slightly more upbeat sound to some of the songs. In some of the songs. But lyrically... Yeah. Even the, even some of the songs that are quite upbeat, you listen yeah. to the lyrics and you think, hello, what's going yeah. on here? Because the lyrics don't match, and we'll come That's on to right. those as we come on to yeah. those. Lyrically, we're still in a dark place. <laughs> Yeah, yes. And in some cases, a very strange place. Yes, yes. But as you say, we'll come on to the individual yeah. tracks in a minute. So, indeed. Ten tracks on this album. Worldwide, eight singles were released from this album. Was there that many? Yes. Gosh. I don't remember. I don't remember two um, yeah. definite singles off this. Everything else was sort of 
blurred. But because yeah. even even now, the two tracks that I'm thinking of are the ones that are played still regularly on the radio. Although eight tracks were released worldwide, only four tracks were released in the UK as singles. That might be why I don't remember some of these. Yes, the four singles that were released in the UK were the first single, Through These Walls, and we also had Don't Let Him Steal Your Heart Away, Why Can't It Wait Till Morning, all of which failed completely to crack the top 40. Hardly surprising with Through These Walls. Well, yeah. And then, of course, you had the mega success that was You Can't Hurry Love, which went to number one in the UK charts. Yeah, he was. He got a nomination uh, for a Brit Award for Best Male Artist, but he did get a Grammy Award for his vocals on I Don't Care Anymore. He did. It was quite a few accolades presented to this album, despite yeah. its lack of... We'll come on to this later, but although it was a commercial success, this is actually Phil's least commercially successful 80s album well the thing was it was a commercial success but it wasn't a critical success was it that's right yeah like you said earlier it was a bit of a mixed bag for reviews some people loved it some people yeah. hated it we'll come on to our thoughts on that later on some of that might be justified though yeah i i, I think so but Phil supported this album with his first solo tour, which ran from November 1982 right until February 1983. Unusually, the set list didn't contain any Genesis songs, and that was the start of a deliberate policy by their manager, Tony Smith, to keep Genesis and their solo careers completely separate. So Phil technically did do a Genesis song because he performed his version of Behind the Lines, but he did a Brand X track, and so to F, and he did a couple of Motown covers as well, but he didn't do any Genesis tracks. The Motown, you can kind of understand, because this album has got a lot of white soul yeah. about it, hasn't it? It has, yeah. It's um, not not all the way through, admittedly, but you know that there is an undercurrent of that that soul, but it's it's not... Motown soul as such, despite, you know, you can't hurry love being on mm. here. So, yeah, I, I kind of agree with his thinking there because this is definitely his style. Yeah. It's nothing to do with Genesis. Mm -hmm. And if you were to tour with this material, throwing some Genesis prog rock in yeah, there exactly. would seem a bit out of place. Would, yeah. So I agree with I agree with his decision on that. Yeah. I know he listens and he's interested in what I think, <laughs> um, obviously. But, yeah, I can understand quite clearly why he decided to do that, yeah. just keeping the two separate, because they are quite clearly separate styles of Yeah, music. exactly. It would have been very odd to suddenly drop in, I don't know, dance on a volcano in between you can't hurry love and in the air tonight it's completely yeah. different styles of music so yeah i agree as well i think it's much better that they kept it separate although on his last tour on phil's last tour um he did drop in a couple of genesis tracks as well things like invisible touch throwing it all away follow you follow me but that was a bit of a special yeah. case because that was kind of a i'm back i'm still alive tour yeah <laughs> yeah i mean and now i've just said mm that the two are quite different, his styles for Genesis and this mm. one. However, I think there is one track on this album yes. which wouldn't be out of place on a Genesis album, Ooh. and we'll discuss that in a bit. Ooh. I don't think it's really Genesis, yeah. but it sounds a little bit Genesis. Mainly, I'm thinking musically, okay. but we'll come on to that as we, we come on to that. All right, well. Gosh, I'm full of these zingers tonight, aren't I? Well, oh, I'm looking forward to finding out what you're talking about, as usual. A lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people say that. It's surprising. <laughs> One of the performances from this tour was released on VHS. That's uh, Phil Collins at Perkins Palace in Pasadena. That's too many P's. My pop filter must must be working on the 19th of December 1982. Good. Where he ate 
A packet of pickled peppers. But you'll notice that most of the musicians on this album were ones who also played on face value. Yes, I did notice that. And also I noticed that he's nicked the Phoenix horns for this. Again. Yeah, but that's turning up so regularly in some of the solo stuff, aren't they? Yes. But bear in mind, Phoenix horns were basically brought into the Genesis fold by Phil in the first place. Yeah. But it's nice to hear them. They work exceptionally well on this album, I think. Yes. They've got Daryl back on guitar. Yeah. And he does a really good job. I'm specifically thinking, and I'm going to come on to this again in a moment, but with I Don't Care Anymore. That would have been very easy to overdo, but the minimalist approach to that I think works brilliantly. And he did a great job on it. Yes. Cool. We'll come on to that in a second. That's the first track, of course. We shall. So let me ask our first contender to join us, please. And your name is? Ah, good to be here, John. Phil Collins. Your occupation? I'm a drummer, aren't I? And your specialist subject? Uh, The members and the music of the band Genesis. A rock band formed in Surrey in 1967 went on to earn a place in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Here we go, two minutes on them. Who was the keyboard player with Genesis from the very beginning of the band's existence? Oh, that's easy. It's Tony Banks. Brad Pitt. Eh? The band's UK recordings in the 1970s were all released on the Charisma label, but the following decade, Charisma was absorbed into another label on which the rest of the band's recording then appeared. Which label? Uh, that's, um... Oh, that's that's Virgin. Kingston. You what? According to the opening line of the group's first hit single, I Know What I Like in Your Wardrobe, what time is it? Lunchtime the world over, one o'clock. 1597. What? Are you sure? Yes. The original members of Genesis met when they were pupils at Charterhouse School in Surrey. Who was the first new member of the band not to have gone to school there? Oh, I know this. That was me, Phil Collins. Jonathan Silver, what is the title of the first studio album by Genesis on which Phil Collins is the group's lead vocalist after Peter Gabriel left in 75? A Trick of the Tail. Mike Rutherford recorded two solo albums while still with Genesis before he formed the band Mike and the Mechanics. What was the title of the first one released in 1980, which reached number 13 in the UK albums chart? Um, well, not sure about Mike's stuff. Uh... Is it Small Creeps Day? Randall and Hopkirk deceased. Oh, what, the TV show? So was it a concept album then? Yep. In 1982, Peter Gabriel joined Genesis on stage at the Milton Keynes Bowl for a benefit concert called Six of the Best to support which organisation? Steve Hackett also appeared for the encore. Oh, that one's easy as well. That's well made. What is the title of the Genesis video which features their puppets from Spitting Image and was nominated for MTV Video of the Year, although it lost out to Peter Gabriel's Sledgehammer? Uh, Land of Confusion. Bombay Duck. Oh, delicious. Phil Collins was the only performer to appear at Live Aid on both sides of the Atlantic. He first appeared at Wembley and then at the JFK Stadium in which city? Philadelphia. Pappenheim. No, oh, no I'm sure it was Philadelphia, although that was a busy day. <laughs> I've got a ride in Noel Edmonds' helicopter. In 1992 and 93, the band released two live double albums, both called The Way We Walk. But apart from being called Volumes 1 and 2, they each had another subtitle. What is the subtitle of the first? The shorts. The long jump. Hang on a minute, something's wrong here. These answers are all wrong. Are you sure you haven't mixed up the cards? What is the title of the first single released by Genesis to feature Ray Wilson on lead vocals? It reached the UK Top 30 in 1997. What? I didn't know they had another singer. How am I supposed to know that? 
Was it any good? Yep. What was the name of the reunion tour of 2007, which is documented on the DVD When in Rome 2007? Turn it on again. Correct. Phil Collins stars in a 1988 feature film and also recorded songs for the accompanying soundtrack. What film? Oh, that's an easy one. That's Buster. Buster is correct. No passes, Phil. You've scored four points. Four points? Oh, that can't be right. Oh, can I get a recount? The Pyrrhic victory is what you were looking for, yeah. One more fact for you before we get into the tracks. Oh, so exciting. So there's no drum machine on this album. Unlike Face Value, which used a lot of drum machine, there is no drum machine on this album. All the drums are natural drums played by Phil. Um, and he did that deliberately to minimise comparisons between the two albums. He didn't want people saying, well, it's just another drum machine album. This is the thing I didn't understand about his first solo mm. album, right? You'd think a drummer would see a drum machine as making him redundant yeah. and be violently opposed to using a drum machine. Mm. You would think that, yes. I mean, it's like, yeah, if you, anybody who sees a piece of technology that is making them redundant would rail against mm. it, but he actually embraced it for that album. Yeah. I thought that was odd at the time well, that he would make that choice. I think if Phil was just a drummer, I think he probably would be against it. You know, if he was John Bonham, I think John Bonham would probably be like, drum machines, stick them in the sea. Not interested in them. They put me out of a job. Whereas Phil's multi-instrumentalist. He plays the drums. He plays the keyboards. Sorry, are you referring to John Bonham as just a drummer? He is just a drummer, though. He's not just a drummer. I'm not talking about how talented or otherwise he is. He was just a drummer. He just played drums. He didn't pick up a guitar and play along with, I don't know, when the levy breaks or anything. He didn't play the keyboard or the bass or anything. He played the drums. And if John Bonham was going to do a solo Might album... Might played the harmonica. You don't know. Done. But if John Bonham was going to do a solo album, he wouldn't use a drum machine because he would play the drums. Whereas Phil's a multi-instrumentalist, so he plays keyboards as well, plays a little bit of guitar. So he would make use of a drum machine. In, partially in agreement with you is like why it was so prevalent on face value. But I can understand why he used a drum machine a lot when he was composing those tracks because obviously he can just set a drum pattern going and then play along on the keyboards and sing along with the drum machine going in the background. Well, yeah, you can understand why he would why he'd use it mm. for, for you know, like com composition. Yeah. You know, when he sits down and goes, I'm going to get this going, get that going, and then I'll come back later and do the drums myself. Yeah. That's what you would expect a drummer to do, yeah. but he kept the drum machines going. I just thought that was odd. Yeah, yeah, I, I said, partially I'm in agreement with you there, but not fully. Having said yes. that, it was very 80s, wasn't it? Was it was very 80s. It was a big technology, yeah. technology wasn't it? Everybody getting we, were, we were suddenly moving away from real instruments and going to the synth and the mm. drum machines, which will become a major piece of 80s music. Yeah. So it's just probably just following the trend more than anything. Yeah. People weren't used to hearing actual drumming anymore. Phil kept the drums and percussion at the forefront of the production on this album, and nowhere is that more evident than on the first track. I don't care anymore. We've only just started.
Track one. Wow. Um, yeah. So, well, that's a great opener. It is a, it is a great opener. A really, really strong opening track. One thing that strikes me straight away, though, the bitterness and the melancholy of face value seems to have been replaced on this track by absolute pure anger. It has, hasn't yes. it? This song, you can hear it. You can, you can hear it. But as it builds up and builds up and builds up, he gets absolutely pants-wettingly angry mm. by the end. I mean, he's almost screaming down the microphone. Yeah. To be fair, the thing about this track is I think a lot of people can take bits away from this because everybody's been there. Everybody's been angry in a relationship. And so I think that the, some of the appeal of this track is that every person yeah. can empathise to a certain extent with this track. Yeah, everybody's been in that. It's, like, it's anger and it's frustration is coming out. And I, lo- I love the way in this track that anger builds and builds to that crescendo. It just gets more and more intense. Musically and lyrically, it just gets more and more intense. And then it just breaks and it just ends with him saying, no more. Yeah, but going back to what you've just said about the music, as I said just before this started, it starts off very simply. Yeah. You know, drums, very muted guitar. The whole thing's held together, really, by the guitar and the keyboards. Yeah. Um, it's so subtly done, and it builds and builds mm. and builds. But the music easily could have been overdone, yeah. and it would have been the lyrics and the feeling would have been washed out in this torrent of music that you could have quite easily have put to yeah. this. But the simplicity of the music and the subtle way it's done accentuates the emotion in the lyrics and the way he's singing it. Yeah, and. The, that for me that blows me away on this track it makes this track stand out because while you can sing along to this track you can feel along to yeah. it as well you know yeah um so i think it's a great track for that reason if nothing else it's a good sing along because you can sing along but you can feel every time the emotion is pitched to a higher degree yeah. every time it starts screaming more and more into the microphone mm-hmm. You know, everybody's been there and everybody can feel it. It's almost cathartic as yes. you sing along yeah. with this track. Yeah, blast out on your car stereo. This is the track you mentioned earlier on that Phil was nominated for a Grammy for Best Male Vocal Rock Performance. He was nominated for. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure that it should be in that category because this is quite clearly not rock music traditionally. But it's not pop music either. No, it isn't. That's that's the thing. Mm. It isn't. It's late 80s, 90s, they started using rock to mean pop. And then and I thought, so what do I like now? Because I liked rock music a while ago and now rock music isn't rock music anymore. <laughs> well, That's just one of the many things that I rail against. If that annoys you, do you know who he lost out to in that category? No. It was Michael Jackson for Beat It. See what I mean? Now don't get me wrong, I quite like the song Beat It. I'm not a big fan of Michael Jackson, generally speaking. He's done a few good songs, and that's one of the ones I like. But Classic Eddie Van Halen guitar solo. Yeah. But is that a better rock vocal performance than I Don't Care Anymore? Because I think... No, not at all. There's so much 
emotion in this song that isn't in Beat It that comes out. Don't get me wrong, Michael Jackson sings Beat It exceptionally well. However, he sings it just as well as every other track he does. It's not a particularly good Michael Jackson vocal, so why that would stand out when this is quite clearly a really good Phil Collins vocal, I would have said that they they would give the award to an outstanding standing performance by that person mm. taking into account what that person has already done yeah. but clearly that is not what's happened here because michael jackson pretty much sounds like michael jackson in everything he does, he does. which is fine because michael jackson was a very talented singer you know michael jackson was exceptionally good at what he did but was he rock no i don't think he was at all i don't think so i suppose the only other good thing about this is also it's a really good breakup track as well Mm. so you could quite clearly use this and send it to your current girlfriend stroke boyfriend (laughs) and they get the gist as well so you know it, it, it works as an end of and as a cause to an end of a relationship it does i mean this track was actually released as a single in the u.s how did it do because it should have done really good it's not chart music no. because it's not, it's never going to you're not going to be dancing to this on the dance floor are you well not any dance floors i've been around well no but apart from you can't hurry love i think all the singles they released in the us got to the mid 30s so yeah, not too bad right. but not amazing no not no fulfilled. but but then you know th- this kind of track i think despite the fact i really do like this track mm. it is a good album track yeah. as a single yeah it doesn't strike me as a single no it, it's hard to tell where you would play it yeah. it's not something you can play it on the radio but it's not something you could comfortably play, say, in a department store mm. or at a disco, nightclub, whatever the young gadabouts are calling them now. Um, <laughs> jazz club. And, uh, you know, <laughs> the jazz club, yes. So it's, it's um, yeah, I, I can't see where, you, where this would go as a single, um, but it's a great album track. It's a, And it's a corking opening track. It is. It is brilliant. Also featured in Grand Theft Auto V. And, of course, as most Phil Collins tracks do, in Miami Vice. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. To be fair, that TV show gave him so much airplay, it's unreal. He must have made a fortune off the back of that show. Just the residuals from that alone. Probably paid for a mansion. And to be fair, I mean, I remember when Miami Vice was first shown on the BBC. And actually, the fact that Phil Collins' track in the air tonight was shown, I think it was the pilot, they made a massive thing about that. And I think most people watched it just for that scene. Just to hear in the air well, tonight. I wouldn't be surprised. If you'd seen the episode, they spent so much time playing that track. Nothing happened in the TV show for like six minutes <laughs> while they were just playing this massive track. They all just stood around cars going, there's going to be a shootout in a bit. Really? Yeah. So what were you doing last night? Well, you know, nothing. Whereas the music's going on in the background. So, yeah, that's my memory of it anyway. There's going to be a shootout in a minute. How could you tell? Well, it's clearly building to something. Yeah. <laughs> we're not just going to get donuts, are we? <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty much it. So it? that track, thumbs up, absolutely brilliant track. Oh, this this is looking it's looking good so far. Yeah. Yep, yep, I agree. Thumbs up. Yeah. Thumbs up from me. I cannot believe it's true. There is. There's loads more tracks. <laughs> i 
by resignation why have i resigned <laughs> no but philip obviously has yeah this track reminds me kind of of stuff from his first album yeah i mean it's very similar to um i missed again that track i missed again isn't it a little bit it is it is um this this track for me is a is, is a very confused track it's it's a track that's kind mm. of at war with itself because you've got this very <laughs> very fine upbeat track. Yes, but the lyrics really do not match this track. No, that's one thing I've said actually. Yeah, it's a real upbeat, poppy track. You can shuffle your feet along to and jump around to, but lyrically it is not that at all. No, it's it, it's very much at conflict with itself. I'm not entirely sure. It's almost a schizophrenic kind of track, isn't it? Mm. Again, though. To raise the bar, once again, you've got the Phoenix horns coming in, giving it a nice lift, which really works on this track. Yep. But that is not what this song is about. No, not at all. I mean, talking about the Phoenix horns, that sax solo. Very, yes. So 80s, yet so very good. Superb. Yeah. I've made a note, actually. It sounds like it's from an 80s TV theme. You know, it could be like Moonlighting or or Taxi or something. It's it's that that almost iconic 80s sound, isn't it? Yes, exactly. But again, it's like a fake veil over what this song is about. This song is not a happy song. It's not at all. Like I say, it's resignation. He's not angry anymore. He's just resigned to the fact that it's all going to be bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've approached this album with with an open mind and gritted teeth, but I've approached <laughs> this album, and because of the music and its upbeat tempo, I really wanted to like this track. But because of yeah. the lyrics, I really didn't, you know? It's <laughs> yeah. one of those things yeah. where you kind of want to like it, but part of your mind's going, hang on a minute, I'm not sure I'm liking this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so... so Yeah, I know, I know what you mean. So I'm not sure I could say I liked this track. Even though it, the mm. music is perfectly fine, the lyrics, yeah. you just, you can almost feel the conflict in this track. I've now used the word conflict 57 times so far, but mm-hmm. that is exactly how I feel about how this track is constructed. The music yeah. and the lyrics, the two don't really go together well on this, I don't think. No, I know what you mean. They don't. I do like this track because I think the music carries it. It's got a real Motown tinge lightness to the song itself. And that doesn't bother me so much, the lyrics being a bit downbeat. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I I think we can both agree that the music's fine. But the lyrics are a problem on this track, I think. 
Um, not yeah. the way they're sung, they're sung perfectly well. And the mm. whole track is put together very nicely. <laughs> it's the juxtaposition of the very upbeat music and the very downbeat lyrics that yeah. just doesn't make me feel comfortable listening to the song. So I, I couldn't give it a thumbs up. You don't like that dichotomy, do you, between two opposite things? No. In the past, you've not liked things like that either, have you, though? Where it's nice upbeat music and depressing lyrics, or vice versa, I suppose. Yeah, I don't know if it's my personality. Mm. It's, it's like um, when I used to do rock clubs and that, and things like drugs yeah. were around and things like that, and I never mm. took any because, you know, there's always that little bit of your brain that goes, you're going to have a really horrible time and you won't be able to <laughs> dig your way out of it. Like alcohol, yeah. you have a pint, you get drunk, you get a bit maudlin, you stop drinking, you feel better. Mm. Drugs, that can last for a long time if you're down. And I, yes. so, so it's like I didn't take drugs because... I thought they might bring me down. Mm. ELO reference there. Ha. <laughs> but it's like the same reason I don't like this kind of music because I don't like downward spiraling music because I feel it might yes. make my moods follow it. I really do feel that way. I, this is why I've never liked songs of that nature or music of that yeah. nature. I couldn't say I like this track. You're a simple man. If something's going to be depressing, you want it to be depressing so you can avoid it. You don't want it to wrap up a depressing little pill in a nice happy bit of chocolate, do you? Yeah, that's not what you want. That's exactly right. You've hit the nail on the head there. Yeah, there you go. See, I like easy, fluffy easy. bunny things. And if it's not fluffy bunny, you don't want it to have razor sharp teeth hidden inside it because you want to avoid that sort of thing. Good. Well, I quite like that track, but that's because I do like depressing things. So, yeah. So, there. <laughs> Unbelievably, that was a single in the USA. You are joking me. That was the sixth single to be released in the USA. Good God. How did yeah. it do? Terrible. So much to think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. So, let's move off from the pretend happy track, which is I Cannot Believe It's True. I quite liked it. You didn't like it. Let's move on to track three, which is Like China. a bit rockier isn't it yeah some nice uh, nice daryl guitar work there Ooh, very nice yeah but um 
But Phil's doing Cockney again, isn't he? Yeah, well, I mean, he is technically he is a Cockney, so it's his natural accent. But... I know, but he does it for a jokey, <laughs> funny. And while this is a very light track, there are certain jokey elements to this. But yes. the theme, once again, <sighs> it's yeah. not near the knuckle by any stretch of the imagination. However, there are some of the lyrics in there mm. which I thought, what? It's a little bit problematic in this day and age, isn't it, some of it? Yes, it's almost like we're basically talking about teenagers becoming sexually aware, etc., etc. One more than another. Mm. But there are certain references here which, viewed with today's eyes, are a little closer to the knuckle than they were then. Yeah. I mean, it's almost coming across as he ain't taking no for an answer. Yeah, that's exactly what I got from it. And, and you know, that's the kind of thing that you really... Well, you couldn't ever do that, but you can't really say it's frowned upon now because it's frowned upon then. But, you know, now there is more of an awareness of the fact that this is so obviously... Yeah obviously a wrong approach and way of thinking yeah um you wouldn't get away with using these lyrics today no definitely not it, it's very much a lyric of its time yes it isn't is. it yes i mean obviously i i was listening to this in the sort of the, the late 80s after i got into genesis so at the time for me it was a fairly straightforward love yeah. song you know he it's only listening to it now with my my much older ears mm. that i'm thinking oh this is a bit no wonder her family doesn't want anything to do with this guy. He he is not taking no for an yeah. answer. He's almost begging. <laughs> yes, that does come across quite clearly. Um, that kind of lyric now is very much frowned upon. And that sentiment yeah. in a song would be very much frowned upon now. Mm. And we've said before in the past many, 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 many times, when we're talking about records, music, art we never talk about art but you know that sort of thing and especially television movies you know you have to view these things through eyes of the time looking back at them now mm. with today's mentality and, and today's uh, sensibilities yeah. you can't approach some old television shows and movies with that mentality because you'd, you'd be offended by almost mm. everything in them i mean you'd never be able to watch yeah. a carry on film ever again for example you kind of got to approach this the same way we can't mm. take this song and these lyrics and look at them through yeah. today's polarizing lens the point you're getting at i think is you have to take the intention behind it so it's not just a fact that it's um, a song a lyric from its time it's it, what's the intention behind this is the intention to make a, a song about a guy who refuses to take no for an answer and, and until he gets the girl and gets his way and, and does everything he can to get his way or is, is phil just writing a song about a young kid trying to get lucky get a relationship yeah. with, with get lucky you know you take some things out of context of, of their time like yeah. this and take away all the intention behind it and it appears a bit problematic i mean we are these days very oversensitive about these topics which i think is quite right because you know these topics yes. are a serious mindset that needs to be adjusted yeah i'd like to think we're, we're adjusting that mindset i really don't think we are but you know people are trying so you know i don't think you can judge this song by today's standards however because it is probably just intended as as we were saying a guy dating a girl trying to get lucky and really just pushing it but not pushing it too far there's no there's no element in yeah. this saying he's pushing it too far he's just saying yeah. he's pushing it which i suppose you know most 17 year olds probably do to a certain extent because you mm. know it's it's a tricky time when when you're that age <laughs> yeah as, as we all know but it's like so i think i remember that film, yeah that. yeah but uh so i think we can't be too harsh on the lyrics they yeah. just seem a little brash to our elderly ears musically very very good though yeah as i said a, a rocky track some very nice uh Guitar solo, pretty decent, uh, three quarters mm. of the way through. I quite liked it. Not too keen on the lyrics, but yeah, musically, not too 
too bad. It's okay. One thing that this did remind me of, actually, um, it reminded me of something from a 60s Tommy Steele movie. What have you been watching during lockdown? Almost imagine it. You know, it wouldn't sound out of place as a theme song to a Tommy Steele film. I think it's the Cockney accent. Yeah, I think, I think <laughs> that's what I'm More than anything else. Accent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, it's enjoyable. It's fun at times. It's kind of okay. Music's yeah. good. Yeah, it's an okay track. I wouldn't say this is one of my favourite tracks on the album, but it's an okay track. I'll give him a pass on this one. Yeah, same. It's okay. This was the seventh and final single to be released in the USA. Wow, and this was the single as well? Yeah. They were just lobbing them out, weren't they? I know. And I think the tracks that weren't released as a single were on the B-sides of singles as well, so pretty much every track on this album was on a single at some point. Isn't that rather crazy from a business point of view? It is a bit. Having Who said knows? that, I'm trying to remember at the time, singles would have been 30-odd pence, and your average album would have been about pound 20 something like that in english money um so you know if you bought the singles you probably paid more than you did buying the album yeah true and you've got to get up more to change to, to listen to the tracks you've got to get up and down more often haven't you yeah so you know yeah, maybe from a from a business point of view not worth it it's better so on to the next track do you know do you care no not really not at all So, wow, what a change in mood. Mm, the anger's back. He's angry, Phil, again. Mm, very angry. He's very angry again. Which is weird, considering... Yeah. I mean, this whole album so far... Uh... I know we're going to do the overview at the end, but it's such a mixed bag, this album. And not just because it's all over the place emotionally um, and stylistically. Yeah. Uh, you just literally don't know what's coming next on this album. There's no flow mm. to this album. It's just yes, a collection of random tracks. Not that that's overly annoying. Um, it kind of, in a way, keeps it fresh because you, you, as I said, you literally don't know what's mm. coming next. Theme, um, mood, music—you just don't know what's coming next. But I'm at a loss as to whether that works for this album or against this album. Yeah, I mean, we have gone from. Although it was a little bit rocky, it was a kind of a lighter track on um, "Like China" into this really cold, kind of harsh soundscape more than music 
on the, to, to certainly to start off with on this one. I agree. Um, and that's, this is the track I was referring to that sounds a little bit Genesis-y. Oh, yeah. Purely because you have got a soundscape going rather than just music. Mm. Kind of, it's an atmospheric sound you've got going to it. It reminds me of some of the sort yeah. of mid-range Genesis stuff, you know, like um, Duke, uh, Abacab, that sort of, yeah. maybe a little earlier than that even. Um, it it mm. vaguely reminded, vaguely, and I'm saying very vaguely, reminded me of that. Yeah. And that's that's why I just mentioned that there was one track on here that was kind of a bit like Genesis. And I think this is it. Not yeah. not vocally, though, I'll have to say. I kind of agree with you, actually, because I think this would fit quite well on, on either Abacab or Genesis, with very little needing to be changed on it, to be fair. Apart from the lyrics and the, the singing. Because, as you say, the anger's back, which is, which is something we've never, we never really saw in Genesis. Mm. Even even when there was tracks where, you know, they were emotional and uh, they were, I'm specifically thinking of uh, Duke, Yeah, uh, some of the lyrics on that. They could have easily put some anger in there and various other things, but they never really explored that side of music. Yeah. It was very, very, I can't think of any Genesis tracks where there was a lot of anger. Even even dreaming while you sleep, where they could quite easily have put some anger into that. You never really got that side of the track. So, yeah. So, I mean, while this. I suppose the closest you get to any anger in uh, Genesis tracks is No Son of Mine, isn't it? Yeah, oh, I hadn't thought of that one. Yeah, I suppose there is. But again, it's not real anger, is it? It's like, you know, we, no. you know there, is, there is raised voices, but you don't get a sense of. You know, real, real yeah. anger. Because that's a story, isn't it? That's Phil telling a story about a son and a father. Whereas this is actual Phil being angry about a thing. Ah, now, I'm just going to slap you in the face with a kipper on this one, right? Because mm. you say it's not a story, but in a way, hasn't this whole album so far been a story? We're kind of mm -hmm. almost going through the Rangers... Aren't we all stories? The real story was the story that was inside you all along. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wasn't going to be that schmaltzy. But um, what I'm saying is, aren't, aren't these songs really showing the gamut of his emotions throughout this we're getting we're mm. getting anger frustration melancholy we're getting all of these coming Horniness. through <laughs> they're not necessarily what the songs are about but we are kind of almost getting an emotional story through this it's a little mixed and a little jarred around yeah but you could say this is almost running the full gamut of of his emotions during this time in his life yeah i mean this is very much a continuation of the emotional side that he presented on face value, isn't it? I mean, it, this effectively is face value too. Yes. Yeah, I, I agree. It is. It is. It's a slightly more face value. The revenge of the face. I think face value had had more of of the soul style of music on mm. it than this one. This one, I think, has a, a, a much more varied selection of music on it than face value did. Mm. Um, yeah. However, and I think in some ways this is a better album than face value. Um, so mm. I think that again comes down to the variety of music on this album. But this particular track, just to drag us back to this, because I know this is what we're <laughs> supposed to be talking about. But coming back to this particular track, I kind of like it, mm -hmm. but I think it goes on a little bit too long. It is quite long, isn't it? I mean, when you consider that it's mostly just drums and guitar for the music. Again, it, though, we've had tracks on here which have had the same minimalist kind of music that have worked fantastically. Mm. But this particular track, because it hasn't got the raw emotion of uh, I Don't Care Anymore, which carries the power yeah. that the music lacks, 
I think this track suffers from that because it hasn't really got the power in the vocals or the music to really make it a standout track. Hmm. Yeah, I know what you mean. I like it. I think it's it's a good track, but I like it more than like China. Yes, yes. But I don't like it as much as I don't care anymore. And I mean, in many ways, I don't think he needed this and I don't care anymore on the same album. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's a little yeah. bit overloading the anger. But I do like the track. I think it's it's interesting musically. Yeah, I like the track, but I think it's a tad too long. It's a, yeah. it's a fine track. It's a fine track. So let's move on to the next track, the hit song from the album, You Can't Hurry Love. sure if you're aware of this i don't know if you watch horror movies i personally don't because they scare me mm. and knows that's the point i don't like being scared though <laughs> unless it's on a roller coaster in which case i love being scared anyway in 1998 a guy called gus van sant made a version of psycho you know the famous hitchcock movie yeah he was such a fan of this movie he almost did it shot for shot despite having different actors and various things and it was in color he did it shot for shot and he even used some mm. of the same music from the original soundtrack a lot of people turned around to him and said what's the bloody point of that you you basically remade that film the whole point of remaking it is to bring something of yourself to it come forward to now and i'm going to do exactly mm. the same thing about this track with phil the original version by the supremes was brilliant phil has almost done a almost exact replica of that and bought nothing to it himself what was the point of that yeah. When you when you're doing an album of the of songs like he has done, you do a remake and you bring nothing to it at all. What was the point of that? Despite the fact that it made him a phenomenal amount of money. Oh yeah, I see the point now. Yeah. Oh, what was I thinking? No, <laughs> seriously though. What was the point musically of this track? I know he may be a big fan of it, because we all know he loves soul. However, and this does kind mm. of point the way his career is going to go now. You know, he's going to go more along the poppy yes. soul route. However, I cannot, for the yeah. life of me, see the point of this track. I know what you mean, but at the same time, it's a great song. And I actually think this version is better than the original version. <gasps> um, How dare very dare you. I think it sounds fresher. Of course it's fresher. It's 30 years later. <laughs> 
trying to sound fresher. <laughs> the original one, you can only hear through a cone go, You can't hurry, love. Oh, you just have to wait. This is done with polyphonic sound and stuff. But the original yeah. version by the Supremes was brilliant and nobody on the planet will say that it wasn't this no, it's a good this song. is a great version of it but it's a copy he's not done anything yeah. to make this better he's not done anything to put his own stamp on it mm. it is just a remake and i ask again what was the point of that apart from the money the kudos the world fame the world tours that went off the back of it even to this day i actually heard this on the radio today at work yeah <laughs> you are you are going to absolutely love phil's last studio i album. beg to differ i'm not going to go any further than that but i don't know why i don't know what the point is to this but i think it's great and i'm glad he did it because i think it brought the song to a new audience i think you run the risk when you do a cover version of doing this where it's exactly the same and people say, what's the point of that? Or you change it so completely that it doesn't sound like the original song and people go, well, what was the point of that? You can't win. It's a real fine balancing act that, you know... You know, Johnny Cash's version of Hurt by Nine Inch Nails, it's not completely different to the original version. It's not exactly the same. He's he's made it a Johnny Cash song. But that's a rarity when it comes to doing cover versions. They're either completely different, in which case, why bother? Why not just write a new song? Or they are exactly the same. The point I'm trying to make is it's very difficult to do a cover version and for it to be universally acclaimed. Like I say, people are either going to think you've not changed it enough and hate it, or you've changed it too much and hate it. Oh, I love the original version. Why have you bothered doing that to it? Yeah, I don't I'm, think you can win. I think I'm going to shock you by agreeing with you. I personally am of the opinion that this particular version of it, I can't see why he's done it, but I agree mm. with you that it's... It, is a position you cannot win. You are yeah, you're, or very rarely anyway. Yeah, you're gonna please some people and other people are gonna hate you. I'm a hater, as you know. So <laughs> of course. I'm gonna hate. I mean I actually love this track. I mean this has got to be many people's first exposure to Phil because it was such a massive hit. I can remember seeing it on the two Ronnies. Really? You know, yeah, before I was into Phil or, or Genesis or anything, I remember seeing this track on the two Ronnies. Phil did a little little sketch with them playing a bin man, I think. Something like that. Did he do it with a cockney accent? Probably, yeah. That's how he sounds. Cool blimey. <laughs> My name's Phil Collins. But do you remember the video? It had three Phil's I singing do- I do remember the video. I do. Re- you know what? Well, I think I've got another recording knocking around here about that very it's thing. Well, dig it out, man. Dig it out. I'm digging it out now. I'm sure it's here. Here it is. Mm, have a play of that. Oh, what? It's me, Phil Collins. I'm a drummer, aren't I? Uh, yes, that's right. Hi, Phil. I'm going to be directing the video. Brilliant. I've always wanted to work with a proper music video director. Um, I made your In the Air Tonight video. Did you? And the video for I Missed Again. Oh, well. And Through These Walls, as well as some of the videos for Genesis. Phil, we've worked together several times before. I know that, don't I? I was just teasing. Right. Anyway, if you're ready, we can start. So the concept of the video is going to be... I know, I know. We we can have three of me singing, kind of like the Supremes, but all Phil. Well... Yeah, that's it. We'll do that. I mean, that's what I sent you? Did you read the script at all? Of course I did. Who do you think I am? Okay, so... Come on, who do you think I am? Well, I really, I... Say my 
name. Wow. Um, okay. Your name is Phil Collins. That's not Phil Collins. I'm Phil Collins. I'm a drummer, aren't I? What? That's right. I'm the actor Bob Hoskins. Phil asked me along to play one of him in this video you're making. That's right. I thought I'd help you out by roping in a couple of mates. You won't need to worry about getting the looky-likes to match. Bobby is a spitting image of me, ain't he? What? I am Phil. That's right. Well, thanks for that, Phil. But I was just going to film you three times and edit the footage together to look like there were three of you. I thought you could wear glasses for one take and... Oh, well, now Bob's here, could we not use him? Yeah, I'm here now. Not really, Phil. I mean... He really doesn't look much like you, does he? He's bold. Yes. And I'm Cockney. Also true, but he's, um, how to be polite. He's a bit stouter than you, Phil. Stouter? Fatter. Oh, yeah. So really, I think my way would work better. Oh. Okay. Well, thanks for the help, Bob. See you at the pub later, yeah? We can talk about that Free Bears movie idea. Watch you, Phil. See ya. Right, no time like the present. Let's get started, shall we? Phil, you just stand there and we'll put a spotlight on you. Alright. Great, great. Now let's... Ha <laughs> ha, he's not Phil Collins. I am. Me. That's Danny DeVito. Oh, for fu... Hey, but guess what? I'm not the real me either. The real me will be coming through that door behind you any second now. Really? What? This door? But, but there's no door behind me. Stu? Stu? Where's he gone? Ah oh, well, I'll just sit here and wait for the real Stuart to turn up. I mean, he's got a point. Bob Hoskins doesn't really look anything like Phil Collins. He doesn't really, does he? But then again, if you see Phil Collins now, he doesn't look like Phil Collins either. That's true. He doesn't look mm. like Danny DeVito though either. Uh. No, but he's starting to look more like Danny DeVito than Phil Collins. That's a worry. <laughs> Hmm. Hmm. But that's uh, You Can't Hurry Love as unusually optimistic track for Phil at this point in his life. Yeah, I mean, that's another reason I think perhaps this doesn't belong on this album. We're going through his emotions entirely on this. And unless he's having a psychedelic moment in his <laughs> life at this point, yeah. this track really doesn't fit well on this album yeah. for that reason. Yeah. It's almost like he's having a, you know, a little dropout moment going, ah, I'm going to be <laughs> cheerful. A little manic yeah. and is depressive, shall we say. So I'm just going to pull you up on something you said earlier. God, you're always correcting me. What now? <laughs> you said you didn't like tracks that had upbeat music but depressing lyrics. Now you're saying you don't like this version of this song, which has upbeat music and upbeat lyrics. You can't win. Did I ever say there was a winner in my life? <laughs> I'm not winning. Why should anybody else win in my life? Anyway, we go on to the next track, but it doesn't matter to me.
another one of those songs you don't like, which is an upbeat song with a less happy lyric. That's more of a, it's not really depressing lyric so much, it's more of a sort of a a shrug of acceptance lyric for the situation that fills in. Is that what you got from the lyrics? Yeah. Isn't this song about him stalking his wife? Oh, hang on, I've found the lyrics now. It says, um, there's nowhere that you can run because I'm going to find you. There's no place you can stay because I'll be behind you. Just to remind you that it don't matter to me. It's kind of got, a, it has got a creepy stalker vibe. I didn't read it as a stalkery vibe at all. I read it as a kind of a, I don't really care anymore what you talking about i've given up yeah i know but whatever yeah that is true but then the lyrics say quite opposite he quite clearly does care because he's following her around i mean it's okay this track it's got great horns it's pretty upbeat it's it's good but i say the lyrics it just (laughs) he's saying one thing and then saying (laughs) another thing in the same tune he's going i don't care what you do i am following you mind you i really am but i don't care (laughs) you can do what you like but i know about i know you met that guy last night oh yeah i suppose another odd track i think a little bit creepy. Phil's now still mining the situation around his divorce. Yeah. And it's getting to the point where it's too much. It's like I've kind of had enough about Phil's divorce now and not really that interested in any more songs about his bitter breakup. No, I say this whole album has really been him working through this period of his life. And apart from uh, yeah. You Can't Hurry Love, which considering what this kind of album's about, again, really doesn't fit with this album because... This album is basically about the end of love. So I still don't understand whether you can't hurry love, unless it's, it's, it's him trying to get back with his wife. I know there's a track coming up in a minute, which is kind of at the point where he's trying to pretend it isn't happening. This is another reason why I think You Can't Hurry Love is in the wrong place on this album, because that's not what this album's mm. about. This track is he's at the point of relationship where he's almost getting over, but he's still... He's pretending he's not interested in what she's doing, but he's still keeping tabs on what she's doing. Yeah. Which, which is, yeah, which, I see what you mean. Which is a kind of normal point in a relationship. You know, I, I think a yeah. lot of people have got to that stage in a relationship. Everybody kind of doesn't want to know what their exes are doing, but is kind of almost interested in what their exes are doing, just to make sure they're not having a better time than when they were with them. Yeah, like I say, I'm just, I like the music on this song. I think the bounciness of it. Yeah, and I say, great horns. Just keeps it this side of tolerable. Yes. But I am now I'm really, really fed up of hearing about Phil's divorce. Yeah, yeah. I want him to go into a different subject. Yeah, but as I say, that is what this album was is basically about. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's overstayed its welcome a little bit, mostly because it is it is tainting the songs with a melancholy that you can do without at this point. We've had enough of the hidden messages and the deep meanings mm. of the lyrics, and you know, understanding what he's going through. We, yeah. we, we both know this is a turbulent time in your life, but that doesn't mean we all have to go through it with him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is this is why you have. And a pub to do this, not yeah. not fifteen thousand fans in a stadium. <laughs> we don't have a pub. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Well, this is why we did have mates in a pub, uh, yeah. but he's doing it in front of fifty thousand people in an amphitheater. You know, yeah. so group therapy, I suppose. Yeah. But yeah, it's a, like I say, this this is an all right song for me. It's just it's nice to get a little bit tired of it now. So shall we move on to the next track? Through these walls.
Speaking of creepy. Mm. Now, this was the first single off the album. Now, 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 I, I'll, now how to unpack that, right? No way <laughs> should this be a single. When I first listened to this track, yeah. I started listening to it. I thought, you know, I kind of like this music. It's, it's, kind, of, it's mm. kind of okay. Then the lyrics start. You can go, okay, it's sung well. And then the meaning of the lyrics <laughs> become apparent. And you start thinking, yes. this is a bloody weird theme for a song and you think i i don't even like this guy's a pervert and there's no there's no there's no finer point of that one he's he's listening to his neighbors having you know sex through the wall basically and not accidentally he's putting a glass up against the wall to hear it really well yeah i'm not sure this is it's certainly not single material is it i think i can only imagine the the reason it was chosen for a single is because it uses the exact same drum fill as in the air tonight, and that's the only reason I can think of why they would choose it for a single. I think the only other reason, perhaps, for using this as a single is on this album. I think it's the one track that has the most varied and interesting music. The music is mm. really it has is very complex. There's a lot of things going on musically. Yeah. Transpose that against the lyrics. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and exactly. It, you know, it's, it's it's fine for that because it's what it's about. But a single. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I know. I mean, thematically, I suppose it's similar to uh, In the Air Tonight. Lyrically, it's kind of similar sort of character, isn't it? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but meaning-wise, um, people who do this are the kind of people who are not lauded in the community. They're arrested in the community. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um... I mean, unsurprisingly, this was Phil's first solo single not to get into the top 40. You shock UK. me. You really do. Yeah. 57, I believe he got to. That really does surprise me that he got that high. I say musically, it's interesting. <laughs> but when you listen to the lyrics, you think, what is going on here? I liked it for the music, but I couldn't stay for the lyrics. Same. I think Phil does really good performance on it, though. Oh, oh his, his vocals are really good. Yeah, in terms of the way he sings it. You know, when it does the, the, the reach out and touch somebody bit yeah. towards the end. He's putting a different sort of emotion other than bitterness or anger, which is a nice change for this album. <laughs> it is, but again, it makes you wonder about which part of his emotional turmoil mm. is in at this point that he's he's now listening to other people having fun through walls. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong, we've all been in hotels where that's happened. If we take this track at <laughs> face value, it's an okay track. The music's pretty pleasing in the fact that it's interesting and changeable, um, but the lyrics... They they pull you up short, don't they? Yeah, they certainly make you think. <laughs> mm, yeah, so um, uh, but I, I quite I quite like the track. It, it just a weird weird choice for the first single from the album. It was yeah, this first single's to showcase what the album's going to be like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a bit of a weird choice. Yeah. So shall we move on? Don't let me steal your heart away. You can look at him the way you did me, and hold him close. Just telling the pack is things you get out of 
So, you know what this reminded me of? Not musically, it didn't remind me of particularly, but lyrically it reminded me. And a little bit in the way Phil performs it, it reminds me of I'm Not In Love by 10cc. Really? Uh, Yeah, yeah, I can see what you mean. I have to admit, I found this track a little dull. The only interesting thing I've found about this track was that this track, I think, encompasses the meaning of the whole album. Mm. If you took the whole album and condensed it, you would have this track. Not musically, I'm, yeah. I'm talking thematically. This track basically sums up the entire album. Yeah. I mean, this is the denial phase of the divorce, isn't it? This is, you know, yeah. don't let him unpack his stuff because I'm coming back. Yeah. Like, yeah. You're really not, not though. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so I kind of agree with you. It's just... It's okay. Yeah, that's the best you can say about it, isn't it? I'm assuming this wasn't a single. It was a single. God, they have no mercy. Really? This was a single in the UK. In the UK, this had a 3D sleeve, and it was one of those 3D sleeves that you need the red and blue glasses. Wow, pushing the boat out. But it was a picture, it was a drawing, a line drawing of a restaurant. That was it. It wasn't even anything interesting. Put the glasses on and it appeared in 3D. Wow. But it was just of a restaurant. It was like an inside of a restaurant and people sitting and eating a meal. Not even a particularly interesting cover. Like, what a waste of a 3D sleeve. Yeah, um... (laughs) Well, some would say what a waste of a track on an album with this track. As we said, it's okay. Nothing special. It's okay. I think the most interesting thing about this track is that the strings, which I actually think are quite nice on this, they're played by the Mountain Fjord Orchestra, which is led by Martin Ford. Right. Let's go down to the west side. Right, we now have a five-minute musical piece. This isn't even an interesting musical piece. What? This is brilliant. Were you listening to the same piece I was? The one I listened to was quite dull and long. Well, it's five minutes long, but it's not... Dull. It's it's a proper hot jazz. It's it's a late night walking down a Florida beach, watching all the partygoers. You've never been to Florida. I've seen it on telly. This is more like a late night skeggy beach. <laughs> it's not. It's hot jazz, man. It's hot <laughs> something, but it ain't jazz. I think this is a really good instrument. This track 
makes me wish that Phil had done a whole album of instrumentals. Because I think this, and then Hand in Hand and Drone from Face Value, just absolutely brilliant. Some of the best instrumentals he's done in his career. And this is the last instrumental he will do. We won't do another one from this. I think it's a shame. Because I love this. I actually fell asleep listening to this, which is unfortunate because I was driving. (laughs) Well, wow, this is a big difference of opinion. So what don't you like about this then? I just didn't find anything interesting in it. The music was kind of repetitive, dull. There were some interesting bits. Yeah, yeah, I'll give you that. But (laughs) not enough to make me want to listen to it for five minutes. The parts that were, for want of a better word, interesting, just didn't liven it up enough to to warrant the time spent on this track, I don't think. I know you're going to disagree with me violently. I just thought it it was a cracking instrumental. It kept you tapping your feet along as you were going along. It was great saxophone solos, some good drumming, some... You know, were you coming out of anaesthesia while you were listening to this? No, were you? <laughs> wow, I can't believe we were listening to the same track. We are so, so polar opposite on our views of it. This is such a, a lively, upbeat, foot-tapping track. I'm I, I surprised you're calling it dull and boring. If my foot was tapping, it was only in an effort to keep me awake. Are you sure you're not talking about the next track? No. <laughs> no, I'm talking about the West Side. Wow. I'm really surprised because this is a really upbeat track. I felt sure you'd like this. Nah, it didn't work for me. Haha, <laughs> <laughs> I like to surprise you. For me, this is one of the best tracks on the album. It's probably not my favourite favourite track on the album. I think that's probably I Don't Care Anymore or possibly you can't really love. But this this is a strong track, and it's great live as well. But uh, you don't like it. I'm not saying anything, because you're just going to disagree with me, so <laughs> I'm not even going to say anything now. What's the matter? You offended Snowflake? <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll just move on to the next track, which is, coincidentally, the last track. Why can't it wait till morning? Because we've got to do it now. Oh. Well, I don't want to think about what we've said And I don't wanna know why we hurt ourselves Cause I just wanna hold you so close to me It'll take care of itself And I wanna sleep so I can't wait till next time Right, so this is something of a ballad, isn't it? It's, again, another change in tempo. This is very much the type of song that Phil will be known for. Yeah, I know, that's the sad thing. This is massively overly sentimental. I know it's supposed to be, because it is about emotion. However, lordy, pile it on, why don't you, Phil? Yeah, I mean, it's pleasant enough. It's got some nice strings on it, but it's a bit schmaltzy, isn't it? 
That's the that is exactly the word schmaltzy. I'm glad you used it. I didn't mm. want to use it, but yeah, it's 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 schmaltz with schmaltz on top. Mm. Part of me understands what he's saying because we've all been in that part where you know you're arguing or you're having a conversation with your partner, and it's late at night, and you just want to go. Look, can we deal with this in the morning? Can we stop doing it now? Because I'm trying to go to sleep and deal with it in the morning, and then you think. God, I hope she doesn't remember this in the morning, so I don't want to carry this on. <laughs> so this is this You're is bringing this up at ten o'clock at night. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it happens so frequently. But it's like <laughs> this particular track. Phil's pleading with his wife. Can we talk about it in the morning? Yeah. Hoping that they never get around to talking about it in the morning, and they can imagine that this never happened, and they can carry on normally and continue. Yeah. But that's not going to happen. It's quite clear. Yeah. I mean, I don't know the next album. Hopefully, this is the end of this. <laughs> You're laughing. It's not, is it? But I'm, I'm hoping this is the end of having to go through this with him. Well, I'm going to put you out of your misery. The next album has no divorce songs on it. Okay, so this is. Kind Kind of the end of it. We're, we've come to the end of this. No, we've... I didn't say that. Oh Lord! I just said the next album doesn't have any divorce songs on it. Bear in mind that Phil goes through another divorce at some point in the future. How unlucky is this guy? <laughs> he just makes bad choices. But taking this from a serious point of view for one moment, hmm. um, I suppose. Th- the thing is, when you're a musician like Phil, or you know any musician really, where you spend a lot of time on the road, it's got to be monumentally hard in a relationship. Yeah, and it doesn't matter whether you find the perfect one, the most understanding of partners, being away for like eight months at a time on a tour, which you know some of the time these guys are away for that length of time and they don't get to go home at the weekend. Mm. That has got to be so tough on the most promising of relationships. So yeah. you know. It's it's no surprise that they go through this again and again and again and again. It is not through choice. It is yeah. a tough lifestyle when you're when you're gigging, touring. And even yeah. when he's not touring, he's away with the guys writing music, performing music, practicing music. You spend that amount of time away from anybody, and you know it's going to be tough. So it's understandable. Yeah, you got to have a lot of sympathy for the the wives in that situation, really, as well. Because not yet. It works both ways. You know, it's it's like every everybody's finding it hard in this one. So. What happens on tour stays on tour there's no way these people are being 100 faithful either no no well even if even if they are i mean we'll look on the positive side and say everybody is faithful but still Mm. being away for that length of time you start thinking your doubts creep in you can't maintain a relationship over that distance it's like i don't know if you've ever been in a long distance relationship i have Mm. Um, we didn't start off that way she just moved away um and (laughs) didn't give me a phone number or address or any way of contacting her. But we were in a relationship for quite a long time. But the point is, there's no easy way of carrying on that. And you've got to have, I think you've got to be a special kind of person to make that work. And that's got to be one in a million, literally one in a million. It's got to be dumb luck when a relationship does work like that. I think you've got to be, you've both got to be so strong that you work well independently to make Mm. it work. If you dote on the other person or you're, you're, sorry, this turned into Dr. Phil, hasn't it? But if if you're part of a couple, it's probably harder than if you're quite singular and, you know, self-confident. So, Mm. you know, it's got to be one in a million to find two people who are going to cope well with this situation. So it's hardly... It's hard, yeah. you know, it's understandable why this happens again and again and again, as we said. So, and we'll have more relationship advice from Gary 
next week's episode. Anyway, if you would <laughs> like anything resolved, please feel free to email us and we'll discuss your personal details in upcoming podcasts. Please, only one email per distraught listener. Thank you. <laughs> but that's why I can't wait till morning. If anything, there was a cover version by a jazz group called Foreplay, which was released in 1994, which had Phil on it, which is even more schmaltzy than that, if you can oh, imagine such blimey. a thing. Wow. Yeah. But anyway, that's the album. Hello, I must be going. Let's do our overview. So, so what do you think of this album then, Gary? As you know, I said at the beginning, I've approached this with an open and fair mind. Or as open and fair <laughs> as my... <laughs> Sorry. Or as open and fair as my mind can possibly be. Not a huge Phil Collins fan. This is not my kind of music. So it's been mm-hmm. quite a challenge to look at this album from the right point of view, to not have yeah. my preconceptions ruin it. I didn't have to have my preconceptions ruin it because I had Phil Collins doing that. <laughs> No, that's just a little joke. Taking this album, it really isn't my kind of music. I listen to this mostly through gritted teeth. Um, I've tried to look at the tracks individually, and I've tried to approach them just as that, but this just so isn't my kind of music. I can't say I will ever Mm. like this album. I can't say I will ever like Phil Collins' solo stuff. I don't like that kind of white soul um, music. It doesn't appeal to me in any way, shape, or form. So I can't honestly say I liked this album. I can't Mm. honestly say this is a terrible album, because it really isn't. There's obviously a lot of stuff on here that has merit, and there's a lot of good stuff on here. It's not my kind of stuff. So I'm never going to turn around and go, what a great album, because I will be lying. I don't like it, but it's not because it's bad. It's because it really isn't my kind of music. Okay, fair enough. I think this is a good album. The songs are strong, but I think the album really lets itself down because it doesn't have a consistent style. The songs don't fit together. Yep. We said that all the way through it, didn't we? We said that there was this almost, you know, haphazard approach to to putting the songs together. None of them seem to follow a pattern. But, yeah, I I agree with you on that. Yeah. I mean, at least face value, although it had different musical styles, it had the same sort of sense of melancholy across the whole album, which tied it together. Whereas this is up and down. One minute he's angry, one minute he's frustrated, one minute he's sad, one minute he's in denial about stuff. And then we've got that weird remake halfway through. Yeah, it doesn't fit together. Very much like Steve Hackett's second solo album, Please Don't Touch, very different styles that don't really hang together. Yeah. Good songs individually, but the album doesn't hang together. Like Peter Gabriel's second album, some great tracks on there that don't hang together. It's in that sort of vein. I like the tracks individually. For a long time, this was my favourite Phil Collins album. That was partly because it was really the first one I heard after getting into Genesis. This was really the first Phil Collins album I heard. But it's not my favourite now. No. It's not my least favourite. No. I think it's not my favourite. I still like it. I think it's got a good place in Phil Collins' back catalogue and there are tracks on there which are phenomenal. But I think you hit the nail on the head with your overview there. All of the band members seem to have come a cropper with that second album mm-hmm. syndrome. None yeah. of them seem to have cracked that second album, do they? And, and made it stand as standout yeah. as their first or indeed their third albums. Yeah. I mean, Tony Banks got the closest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, but not in, not in the way he thinks. Um, <laughs> so, so you like this album? I mean, I know you like this kind of I, music I like anyway. It. You've got a very wide approach to music. You like all sorts of styles, mm. and while mine is also quite broad, it's not as all encompassing as yours is. I, I, although I've got a broad approach to music, it's still within quite certain boundaries. And yeah. this is outside of my comfort zone musically. I, it doesn't float mm. my boat. It does not even float my dinghy. It does not even float my paddleboard. <laughs> um, there's nothing being floated at all here rubber duck not even my my rubber duck is sinking and calling for for mayday at this point it's just <laughs> there's no buoyancy at all involved in this album for me well that's fine i mean i think it's just the inconsistency of this album yeah it jumps from one emotion to another and it, it doesn't hang together as an but- outsider viewing this album all those points are perfectly valid it is a jumble of an mm-hmm. album there's both musically and emotionally, it's it's all over the place. It's up, it's down, it's back and forth. It's it's everywhere. As you just said, musically, there's some excellent tracks on here. They're not my kind of music, but that's not to say any of them are bad. They're pretty good. There's a couple of mm, iffy ones on there yeah. that probably, you know, if you look back at it, you'd think, well, maybe I'll have a go at writing something else and stick that on there instead, because that's yeah. quite clearly not some of the best stuff I'm ever going to do. But, you know, I'm glad you like it. I know it's your kind of music, and and it deserves to be liked because there is some very good stuff on here. It's just sad that it's fed to a philistine like me who won't appreciate anything on there so, you know. because what our listeners might not realize is for most of these solo albums i'm giving them to you a week or two weeks before and you've never heard them before all of these solo albums apart from the peter gabriel albums i've heard those certainly the first four of his i've heard i can honestly say i've never heard any hackett or any of the other guys so yeah. so this is quite a voyage of discovery not always a comfortable voyage and certainly there have been some rocks <laughs> in the way and sure have. I've, I've manned the lifeboats more than once but you know, <laughs> it's, it's an interesting voyage yes I'm, I'm gonna write this as a diary one day so people can look back and see what kind of a rocky voyage this was <laughs> but yeah, yeah it, it, it's interesting. i hate him i hate him i hate him i hate him <laughs> oh you've read the first three pages oh okay um it's like um you're only giving me two weeks to become familiar and like these, which is a yes. tough call because sometimes some albums take years before you start to appreciate them properly. You know, sometimes I've got some albums I listened to when I bought them and like I've never listened to them again. Like, Ten years later, you'll listen to them and go, oh, wow, why haven't I been listening to this? This is a great album. I don't know whether it's because, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's like some albums you just have to get into or you have to hear them at the right time of your life to really appreciate them. Giving me two weeks is forcing me to listen to some of these albums multiple i mean literally you keep saying to me oh, what have you been listening to this week and i can honestly say nothing bar that <laughs> album i've been listening to it solidly every time i go to work every time i come home and every time i put it on the stereo solidly for two weeks so that i can make some kind of judgment call on these things it's not easy because <laughs> you just sometimes have to get into that kind of music. You have to be in the mindset to really enjoy it's it true. or appreciate it. I cannot think of a mindset mm. for me where I would like Phil Collins' solo albums. <laughs> well, maybe we shall see. Maybe there'll be an album you like. You never know. It's all right. I've got, I have beer here. Well, you'll be pleased to know that we've got one more album to review. Ever. And then oh. I'm going to give you a few weeks off. I thought you were going to say ever then. <laughs> <sighs> okay. But... Before we get into any of that business, it's time for the leaderboard. Everybody's on top of the board. 
can't remember who went first last time, so... I'll... You went first last time. All right, well, fair enough. We'll do you first then. So, let's remind our listeners of our leaderboards. For Gary, yes. we have, in first place, Peter Gabriel's first album. In number two is Small Creeps Day. In number three is Please Don't Touch. In number four is Voyage of the Acolyte. Number five, A Curious Feeling. Number nine, The Fugitive. Number 45, Anthony Phillips' The Geese and the Ghost. Number 61, Brand X orthodox, Unorthodox Behaviour. Not Orthodox Behaviour, that'd be odd. That'd be a completely different album. Number 62, Phil Collins' Zuz's Face Value. Number 78, Peter Gabriel's second album. And number 79, the very worst album we've reviewed, Mike Rutherford, acting very strange. Where? Oh, where are you going to put this Phil Collins album? It's a tough call, this one, because... It comes down to whether I like it or whether I think it has merit. Mm -hmm. I don't like it because it's not my kind of music. However, I think it has a lot of merit. So I am going to put this and I will wash my own mouth out with soap later. Drum roll, please. I'm going to put it at number 19. Number 19. No, 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 19. 19. No, just 19. So that's your leaderboard with your rather bizarre numbering system. Works for me. (laughs) My leaderboard is thusly. Number one is Peter Gabriel's first album. Number two is Face Value. Number three is Small Creeps Day. Number four is The Fugitive. Controversial choice there from me. Number five is Voyage of the Acolyte. Number six, Please Don't Touch. Number seven is Peter Gabriel's second album. Number eight is Brand X. Number nine is Ant Phillips, Keith and the Ghost. Number 10 is A Curious Feeling. And in agreement with you, number 11, the worst album we've reviewed is Mike Rutherford's Acting Very Strange. I am going to put, hello, I must be going, hmm, number seven. So I'm going to put it above scratch. But we kind of almost agreed because we kind of put it halfway through both of our choices, kind of, sort of ish. Yeah. Numerically, if not numerically. No. Hang on. Yeah, I know what I mean. You know what I mean. They know what I mean. We all know what I mean. There we go. So that's the leaderboard. It's getting a bit unwieldy. We're going to have to change that for next season. But anyway, for now, that's it. Next season? Oh, God. So that was Hello, I Must Be Going by Phil Collins. Mm, Yes. An album that... Gary has described as having merit. <laughs> and that's the best thing I can say about it. No, no, no. I, I, to be fair, I think oh. that's, that's a good review of this album. Hmm. But anyway, next episode's album. Are you keen to find out what it's going to be? I think keen is perhaps the wrong word. <laughs> well, it's Tony Banks and his soundtrack album to the film The Wicked Lady. So it's a Michael Winner film. And this is an unusual soundtrack album in that the first side is all of Tony's synth demos for the album. And the second side is the actual orchestral versions of the songs. So that's going to be our next album to review. So do a bit of homework on that. Oh, yeah. See what you think of that. In the meantime, if you have enjoyed this podcast, you can email us at revelationstationpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Revelation Station Podcast. You can go to our website www.revelationstationpodcast.com If you donate to us through buymeacoffee.com don't forget you get 10 mini episodes for the price of your donation they're all online now it's about 2 hours 45 minutes worth altogether of of episodes worth getting hold of if you want to hear me babbling on about vinyl almost worth the money isn't it Simon almost worth it it's worth the money it's great I know I've listened to them they are as you keep telling me great I wouldn't dare argue with you so go to buymeacoffee 
coffee.com search for the revelation station donate the price of a coffee which is about three dollars or more if you prefer and that will give you access to 10 exclusive episodes that's it for this week yep that's it for this week thank you all for listening hope you've enjoyed phil collins hope you enjoy tony banks <laughs> Gary's shaking his head at me uh, I hope you enjoy the Tony Banks album and we'll be back here next episode to talk all about The Wicked Lady by Tony Banks go away and listen to that but in the meantime please everybody stay safe if you're in the UK by the time you get this episode we might be getting ready to lift out of lockdown but remember to keep safe keep social distancing and wear your masks we need to go to the pub and we need to go soon oh god yeah we can do that is by working together so stay safe everybody take care and goodbye we love you all except for you <laughs> goodbye i'll do anything you say in fact i'll even stay <laughs> but i must be You're not wibbly-wobbling. I'm wibbly-wobbling for me. Oh, you're not wibbly-wobbling on mine. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. I think. It sounded, it sounded <laughs> about right. You can correct it in editing.